Hey guys, welcome to the Generation Y podcast. My name is Will. And I'm Jean. <laughs> and if it's your first time stopping in, this is a show and a community designed to help young adults thrive. Because young adulting is really hard, y'all, especially right now. So we're asking some questions that matter to all of us, and we're having conversations with people who know the answers. Today we sat down with COO of Beyond Adventures, David Entrican, to talk a little bit about why a time when we can't travel might be the best time to plan your next adventure. This is the Generation Y podcast. I got to be honest, bump. sometimes listening to that that theme song just gets me pumped. Yeah, super psyched. <laughs> it's like you're in okay. a club in Barcelona. So, in Barcelona. Barcelona. Barcelona, Spain. It's 7 a.m. That has to stop right now. It's um, 7 a.m. and you're about to leave the club and right outside of the club are two carts and one is serving chocolate con churros and one is serving papas fritas. Oh. So you can get your sweet tooth and your salt tooth um, <laughs> as you are headed straight to class. I'm speaking for a friend, <laughs> Some, obviously. This somebody was, studied abroad This was not my study abroad experience. I know nothing. I like the way you say papas fritas. Papas fritas. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's a different podcast. Okay, guys. So today we got to have a, a really incredible conversation with David Entrican, who, if you can't tell by the last name, happens to be my brother. But Just he's, so happens. But, but he's also the COO of a... A company called Beyond Adventures that plans um, extravagant excursions for groups of people all around the world. He's been to every continent in the world. He's trekked to the base camp of Mount Everest. He's been to Antarctica, Iceland, Argentina, Machu Picchu, everywhere. Um, he's pretty important. He's, he's, he has many leather-bound books. Yeah, his uh, apartment smells of rich mahogany. Um, and so when David first approached me about this idea of adventure in a time like this and travel, I was like, Travel? Right. Right now? Like, what What uh, on earth would we talk about? A little about? insensitive guy. And so he started telling me about what his company was doing and how obviously they're not traveling right now and we're not telling you to go travel right now either. Um, but they were doing something really interesting. Um, one, their traffic for next year is already picking up, right. which tells me people want something to look forward to. And then two, these people were, were sharing stories about some of their past adventures and people were really gravitating to this and I was really intrigued by that I, I was intrigued by why the why people would want to even talk about the topic of travel or adventure in a time when we can't travel right so we got to the end of this conversation and I was like fascinated by the things that we talked about I mean I was ready yeah I was ready to like plan my next trip it even if it was so, five years it from was now so inspiring and exciting and not only did it get us thinking about um, trips that all we've all been on individually or together um, and sort of reliving those moments and and uh, getting to put ourselves back in that incredible place. But also it got us excited about planning for our next adventures. Like, you know, part of the part of the fun of some of the trips I've been on was actually getting to plan them and having something right. to look forward to. So I think this conversation might surprise you. Um, so in this conversation that we had, David first tells us a little bit about some of his, his excursions and about some of his crazy stories, you know, uh, trekking Mount Everest and things like that. Um, and then we talk a little bit about how we can still be prioritizing adventure and even small adventures, daily adventures right now in a time when we might not be able to prioritize the big ones. Right. Um, so David lent us his front porch mm -hmm. and we sat out there and you can hear the birds chirping. And if you hear any crazy noises, that's what yep. that is. 
we just we sat outside the pressure washing next door uh-huh we sat outside six feet apart and had this conversation um so i hope you enjoy this i hope you take something from this and i hope this conversation inspires you to have an adventure this week David, welcome to the Generation Y podcast. Here we are. We're sitting on David's front porch. It's lovely. We just David. Said, so glad to have you guys here. <laughs> <laughs> we figured in the spirit of adventure, uh, we would have this conversation outside. And so if you hear some wind blowing by, you hear some neighborhood some walkers, strollers. Yes. You know, I, th- I think a guy's pressure washing his driveway up the street. It's but. a very pedestrian neighborhood. <laughs> and that's kind of the whole spirit of the front porch. The uh, charm. Well, that's the charm. The part of the charm is the ambient noise. So I hope you enjoy. Uh, yeah. So maybe it'll hopefully make you feel like you're sitting outside as well. And uh, I feel like it looks like we're in a tropical environment right now because of the leaves behind his head. It does. So David, David is, as we just mentioned a second ago, he is the COO of a company called Beyond Adventures. He's a really unique person in that he has been to every continent in the world. He has climbed to the base camp of Mount Everest. He's been to Antarctica a world traveler. He's been to Tallahassee, Florida. <laughs> which is, so. is Mobile, Alabama. Been, <laughs> he's been to Montgomery, which, you know, is saying something. It's really a notch in his belt. So David's going to get into a little bit about what Beyond Adventures does and what he's learning uh, during this time, working with a travel company where right now nobody's traveling. And so we're going to get into that. But first, David, tell us what is your favorite trip that you've ever taken? Probably my favorite I've ever had was um, a two-week vacation. So, like, my first vacation with Lane and my wife, uh, we had our first jobs out of college and had sort of saved up money that we'd earned. And so, it was sort of the first vacation that we had planned and we had paid for completely on our own after being out of college. And uh, so, we did two weeks in Thailand. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Two weeks. That's incredible. uh, The the memory, maybe it's not the most epic or the most luxurious 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 <laughs> luxurious, luxurious. <laughs> trip we've ever taken but it's the um, mercedes of trips i think it was the you know we might get into this a little bit in our discussion but i think it was the a lot of it was the anticipation but then also the you know the exotic nature of of the oriental so country. I've, yeah. I've always found that like five to seven days is prime that's prime adventure time yeah uh, but two weeks wow i feel like after two weeks i would be missing my own toilet like what you're so far you're it took you so long to get there though i feel like you'd want to get your time and money's worth you know i i haven't done as much travel as i have I always tell people there's two types of travel there is a trip and then there's a vacation mm-hmm. a trip is like go and do something see something check something off your list a vacation is to you know toes in the sand my tie in your hand like you're just relaxing um we broke it up into three segments and throughout the two weeks we did both of those things. Okay. And so, like you said, you know, five to seven days of pure one or the other, you probably get tired of it. But so Thailand is, we spent, you know, like maybe it was four days in the north of Thailand, which is where, so there's ancient ruins and it's just, that's where kind of all the, uh, yeah, a lot of the old, old ancient history is. And so spent about five days up there and then, four days in Bangkok, so kind of the main city vibe, and then we did four days on um, an island that it was, you know, we stayed at a, it was a five-star hotel, 
where, you know, everyone has their own bungalow and there's, you know, I didn't wear shoes for four or five days, you know, oh sand, gosh. you get, oh you get gosh. around just sand paths and That's it was right amazing. on the water. And so we kind of broke it up like that. That's well, so smart. Cause I feel like you, as soon as you settle into one thing, you kind of move into something else. So you don't get sick of it. What was your favorite thing that you ate while you were there? Ooh, that's really hard. Um, so we did go to the restaurant where apparently um, pad thai was invented. Oh wow! And and that's all they serve is pad thai, and it was just it did bear, not disappoint. Just bury me there. That's, <laughs> yeah, I think Thai food is my favorite type of food. Yeah, it, I, oh we gosh. I asked Jean the other day. We were talking. I was like, Hey, what is it that you feel like? Like, what's the first restaurant you are you're gonna go to when we're out of this quarantine? And both of us were like, It's called Harry and Sons, but they renamed it Ocean Wave. We're like. Harry and Sons. It's We're gonna go get green, green curry. curry it's like our favorite. It's, it's, it's one of Lane and my favorite as well. We oh my gosh, so for good. your listeners, we live uh, in the same general neighborhood, and so yeah, Lane and I've we've we've been there multiple times, and it's a favorite. David, also tell us about. I think climbing Mount Everest is something. It's like the pinnacle of adventure. When somebody thinks of adventure, it's like, oh, that's the number one thing. I can't think of anything more adventurous than that. Tell us a little bit about your experience doing that. Um, so I did not climb Mount Everest. I, yes. Yes. I, I, I trekked to the base camp, which is, I mean, it is, it's a two week trek. Oh my and the gosh. only way to get there is helicopter walk or ride a yak. <laughs> Are uh, you serious? Yeah. So, and it, <laughs> so it, it's an adventure on its own. So you rode Wait, a yak, so did obviously. You, yeah, <laughs> you rode a yak. No. <laughs> did y'all walk? Yeah, we, I mean, you know, trekked. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But it's still, base camp is still 16,000 feet. Um, Base camp, I think it is maybe 16 and some change. We, you know, we went over some passes on our way there that were closer to 18,000. So, um, yeah, we got pretty high up on that trek. Which, in comparison, what, Kilimanjaro is... is Kilimanjaro is like 19.5 or so. Right. And so it's, you're so right. Wait, you're the right there base camp is, is what height? It's like 16.8 maybe. So tell us a little bit about that journey. You mentioned even... In that excursion, like there were still physical tolls on your body, even just going about halfway up. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there was a point on that trek where I did. It's kind of, you know, we, we say I'm exhausted. Um, the only time in my life where I've actually experienced, honest to goodness, physical exhaustion, like literal exhaustion. Um, it felt a little bit like the flu. And it was at the it was at a we were in a tea house just before base camp. And so we'd already been on the trail for maybe 10 days. Um, what, once you get to about 15,000 feet, what happens is your, your body is used to breathing at a certain rhythm at night when you sleep. And when you get to a certain elevation, or let's say elevation change from where you normally live, um, it takes a while for your body to adapt. So what'll happen, what happened to me, which is common for people that live somewhere like Atlanta that's 1,500 feet above sea level, is when you're sleeping, your body goes into its normal rhythm, but it's not enough oxygen to s- sustain um, living. And so your body wakes itself, you wake up, you know, 25 times throughout the night saying like, oh, I need air, you know? Oh and, my gosh, how scary. Yeah, so I, so for about four or five days, I wasn't really getting any sleep um, because my I woke up so many times in the night, you know, Dying gasping. for air, gasping for air. <laughs> it's like sleep apnea. Yeah, it is exactly. So, oh my so gosh, it's the tracking scary. plus the lack of sleep. Um, and so I, I literally, yeah, I, I was completely exhausted. I'll say though, the, is this kosher for the camera? I'll say though, the, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> the, the best part about that trip was, um, I'll say two things. One, I've been in 
pretty much every major mountain range in the world. And the Himalayas are the most grand. Um, they're like giants compared to any other. You know, the Swiss Alps, or I mean, the Alps in general, very intimate mountains. You get in them, and they're they're right, and you're you're face to face with them, and you're you're in them. Uh, so it's very intimate. The the Himalayas, though, it's like you're standing before a giant. And so that was, I'd never been around a mountain like Mm. what I was in the Himalayas before. So that's unique and special and and worth the trip. The the second part is, you know, the, you've probably heard the term Sherpa. Yeah. Sherpa is, uh, it's a people, it's a race of people that, that live in that region. They're everyone who's a Sherpa, their last name's Sherpa and they speak Sherpa. What? Yes. And they eat Sherpa for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. (laughs) No. And, oh my um, gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And they, um, they they they're both Tibetan and Nepali, so they kind of live on on both sides of the the Himalayas there. Um, but they've always been a Himalayan people. The guy that was our guide, he summited Everest like fifteen times. Oh my god! But gosh. he also raises yaks in the Himalayas, and so we went by his yak farm <laughs> on our way up. Uh, oh and my god! I, I gosh. held a baby yak that was about <gasps> the size of a poodle. No, yeah. was it cute or was oh, it was adorable? Oh my god! Until like its mother saw me. <laughs> from like way and so you, this furry like, I'm get you. this furry cow that looks like the size of a dump truck come running oh my goodness yeah. oh my god so i would say that the cultural component was at least as wonderful as uh as the mountains and that i did not expect you know when i when i picture a sherpa i, I picture someone with like Climbing the mountain in bare feet and and like a oh, Nike T-shirt. The, I don't know why. I mean, the, the guy vest. that the guy that was our Sherpa was probably fifty years old, and even towards the end of the end of the trek, like we're dying, and we would get to like where we're going to sleep that night, and he would go out for like a like a day hike, and like would hike up to the top of a peak and like look around, go see someone he knew that was in the region. He, he was wow wildly fit. That's unbelievable. Are, are they all fit like that? I didn't meet them all, but I, I've, 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 you mean you, know, you didn't like meet everyone? Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. So, that's so incredible. I feel like that's something that people, most people will only ever see in pictures. How did and that, you got to see it in real life. To start the trek and to get to Everest, by the way, you have to fly into the most dangerous airport in the world, the Lukla Airport. Why is it dangerous? Um, because I mean, the, the wind is extraordinarily... Uh, like like you can you can get a flight to go there and it you may leave within two three four days of when your flight is because <gasps> so many flights are canceled. Um, oh the reason gosh. being the wind, but also like when you take off from the Lukla Airport, the the pilot holds the brakes as hard as he can, hits the throttle as hard as he can until he can't hold the brakes anymore. Then he lets go. The runway is literally sloped downward. And the runway is only about 200 yards long, and then the plane just drops off a ledge. What? Yes. And so I hate that so much. And so, and, and I mean, it's just a sheer drop. And so, and then coming in, so you can imagine, like, when there's so much wind, they just can't. They oh did you think goodness. you were going to die? No. <laughs> I, I didn't really know that going into it. I, I, I learned it later on, but I was, it was one of those, you know, 15 passenger planes. I was sitting like oh, right behind nope. the pilot. I'm watching it. Do you remember no. when we did that in Honduras? Were we together? Yeah, we were. I don't I don't really remember yeah, that. Yeah, we were. You gave away my guitar to a local. Uh, <laughs> we were we flew into Guanaja, Honduras, and we were on like a gum wrapper with wings, and we landed on it's one little strip, just like a smooth patch of of you could call it paved uh runway and a Coke machine. 
that was the airport. That was it. And I remember I, same experience. Like our bags, we just threw them in a corner in the plane, and they had to be like, "Oh, yours have to go in this corner, and yours have to go in this corner to make sure to that the balance weight. it." Oh my yeah, gosh, it was crazy. You remember that trip? R- vaguely, but we, it, we, but what you just described was very similar to the Lukla Airport. Yeah, we caught tarantulas in a bucket, uh, mm-hmm. and we caught we put them all in the same bucket, and then the female killed all the males, <gasps> and we caught like fifteen tarantulas. They just come out at night, and that was our fun. We just caught tarantulas. So, David, I feel like we could talk about your excursions for the entire time here. But I do want to get into just a, a, a little bit of what you're doing with Beyond Adventures, you know, how you got into that. And then um, you mentioned a little something interesting that you guys are doing right now in a period where none of us can travel. I want to talk about, the little, about that a little bit. But first, tell me, what exactly does Beyond Adventures do? So Beyond Adventures is a luxury adventure travel company. We do... Um, primarily group travel. So we, about half of our trips are like B2B type trips. So um, like we do everything from still the nonprofit type stuff that Drew used to do to um, like boards of a company can have us do a trip for them or we've done trips for SAE fraternity. When, and, when you say do a trip, what, what do you mean? So, so what, you know, so we'll do, we do trips to Kilimanjaro, Machu Picchu, Patagonia. We do a couple different Jackson Hole trips um, Everspace camp. <clears throat> and so if an organization wants to any kind of group do a trip with a group of people, they can hire us to run it. And what, so what do you, what does your company have its hand in when it comes to planning these trips? If you sign up for one of our trips, it's a flat fee and we take care of everything from the moment you land to the destination to the moment you take off to go home. Wow. Yep. So every meal, every outing, your hotels, everything, everything. transportation, Gosh, guide. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. So in a time when people aren't necessarily traveling as much, you guys started doing something really interesting um, that I was intrigued about. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you guys are doing right now with some of these Q&As as people are sharing some of their stories? Yeah. So uh, as I referred earlier to like my you know, my favorite trip ever was that one with my wife to Thailand. And part of what made that my favorite trip ever was I spent about six months planning it. Um, you know, often in the professional world, you have to pick your vacation days at the beginning of the year and coordinate with people on your team. And so I knew, you know, eight or 10 months in before that trip when it was going to be. So I started planning it. And, um, and and I've read studies before that have indicated that, you know, as much or maybe even more of the enjoyment you get from a trip can be the planning. That's it, that's really interesting to me. Now, when you say planning, do you mean like how are we going to transport ourselves from here to here or the idea of what could be? Yeah. What do we want to see? Where do we want to go? Yeah. I You know, it's it's so for for that trip, it was, you know we had just heard so many good things about Thailand. So then it started with like, you know, I collected travel magazines and about Thailand and I, um, you know, like read the Thailand section from, all, you know, um, you know, all the different like travel books. And so it's, you know, developing knowledge and kind of building a picture of Thailand in my head. And, um, and I, I think that, that folks really enjoy that. And as, yeah. I, as I said, like, you know, studies seem to indicate that it's the anticipation um, right. that, that part of that makes it so much enjoyable. And well, so, it gives you something to look forward to. And I feel like especially in a time right now, even though people can't travel, we all want to. We all want to see a time after this. So I can, I can imagine that people would be 
really gravitating toward you guys, what you guys are doing with Q&As and storytelling about trips because people want to start dreaming again about their trips. Yeah. So tell us a little more about those stories and, and yeah. Q&As. Yeah. So what we've been doing is, you know, engaging folks that follow us and in a way that allows them to stay excited about the future, even though the future feels so unknown right now. So we're interviewing folks that are frequent travelers and asking them in these interviews about their, you know, their favorite trips, favorite meals, um, little antics, how they deal with uh, jet lag and and, and airplane hygiene. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I want to hear some of those stories. Yeah. If you anywhere, if you go online, you read about airplanes and, you know, dealing with jet lag, they're like, don't drink alcohol, don't eat on the plane, just try to sleep. It's like, I'm doing all of those things. I'm like, forget it. (laughs) Right. I'm going to have jet lag for a month. Yeah. It's an 18 hour flight. I I always tell people, eat all the meals, drink all the alcohol, watch all the TV and uh, it's vacation. So it's great. That's that's awesome. Uh, You know, some some interesting stories. Uh, If you want to try... Uh, different foods around the world. The one food that every single country has is fried chicken. Um, yes. So is so, it? But is it different? Uh, like, it's different in what they bread it in and what they fry it in. But you know, fried chicken does have a certain familiarity to it. So that's you know that's something that Lana and I like to try everywhere we travel. Like I mean, and I, I'm telling like so Thailand, uh, Argentina, uh, India. All fried uh, chicken. Fried chicken. South Africa. And, oh you know, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And and uh, so if you want to have a tour of the world with, you know. <laughs> through fried chicken. Through fried chicken. <laughs> I, I highly recommend that. Um, the, you know, a funny story, you know, we're all washing our hands and using san- hand sanitizer now more than ever. And I, I think that washing your hands while you travel is uh, very wise and mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. Pro tip. <laughs> check the water. The faucet to make sure the water's running before lathering one's hands. Uh-huh. Um, oh. I've had it happen and you know, I was at a restaurant in a Guatemala and I it was one of those restaurants where I was especially happy to wash my hands and lather my hands full of soap and <laughs> the water wasn't working. So wait, so how did you eat with soap all over your hands? Uh his shirt got real clean. <laughs> they didn't have water, but they did have paper towels, and so I just, you know, I wiped it all off with paper towels. Oh, what an unpleasant surprise! Yes. but but a good no. story. Yeah, and as soon as I did it, I was like, "I'm I'm writing about this." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. One time in Mexico, I woke up with a black tongue uh, because <laughs> I thought what? I was I thought I was dying. <laughs> I was in Mexico. I woke up and someone looked at me, and I was brushing my teeth. He's like, "Never smoking cigarettes again." <laughs> right. <laughs> no. I was like, "I'm never smoking that local stuff." Um, no, I was I brushed my teeth, and when I like spat into the sink, it was black, and I was like what in god's good earth that was like montezuma's revenge and um come to find out it was pepto-bismol pepto-bismol will turn your tongue black and i took it because i had montezuma's revenge because of oh something my I, gosh. <laughs> because of something i ate and I, t- I ate one of the little tablets right before bed it turned black like black fuzzy <gasps> on my tongue it was disgusting like the like the thing no, no, no. in um what they gets on his hand like in, a horror movie in Pirates of the Caribbean. I thought it was going to continue like down my esophagus, and I would That's never be terrifying. the same. Yeah, so we're doing these interviews, you know, to kind of give some some travel context to people um, to to be thinking about the future. And um, so we're doing the interviews, and then we've also created a page. Um, it's it's uh, travel.beyondadventures.co forward slash daydreams. Bit of a mouthful, but. 
Um, we'll put it in call, our show notes. Yeah, we call it our daydream page, and and it's it's videos and it's books and it's um and we've even included uh, a tra- a trail app and website called All Trails and d- just giving people some resources to get out, have adventures, and to get excited about the adventures to come. So, um, you know, like for Everest Everest Base Camp, I read uh, a book called uh, Seven Years in Tibet. Long story short, he was in the Himalayas um, and was on the run. And this was kind of before Tibet was uh, taken over by China. And so Tibet was, you know, super uh, sequestered from the rest of the world. And But anyway, through his story, he talks about the Sherpa people and the Himalayas and, and that culture. And so, you know, I'm reading that book. And then and then um, after reading that book, I'm in that culture that I just read about. And so it's kind of similar. So we're offering some books for people to read that are... Um, that that are connected to a destination, and and then um, and like I said about sort of the anticipation thing, you know, maybe it's not a, a narrative novel per se, but it can just be like a travel magazine or something, you know. There, there, but there's something about building this picture in your mind and then going to the place that you've that you've sort yeah. of imagined. Maybe maybe not so dissimilar from like the the Harry Potter world at Disney. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I imagine if we hadn't have read the books, I'm sure I'm sure if we hadn't read the books, like it wouldn't have been that special like i know people who have seen it be like yeah it was pretty cool but i'm like but have you read the books right but do you have like the history in your mind of all of those things existing yeah and then you go there and you actually hold a wand and you know and you kind of experience magic in a real way and so anyway anticipation's a real thing that is so true yeah i have to say we went one of our favorite trips is we went to london um and if you don't know, Jean is literally the biggest Harry Potter fan in existence. We went to London for her birthday. I got her tickets to go to the Warner Brothers Studios tour, which is where they filmed the majority of of the movies. Um, and it was unbelievable. We cried. It was insane. You, you did. You cried more than I, I did. I cried a few times. It was very emotional because I've been following that story since I was in middle school. Right. So with all the books, I basically grew up with the characters uh, and then finally getting to see it was just, I mean, we saw the real, the real, uh, robes that Harry Potter wore. Yeah. We saw a lot of the real props, the Sorcerer's Stone, like all kinds of stuff. Uh, so David, what benefit is there in doing this, in thinking about these trips, planning them, telling these stories? What benefit is there for us in that? Yeah. So I think that, I think that all of us, um, we're just tired of being sequestered to the four walls we live in. Um, I don't know where all, all of your listeners live, but in Georgia, we're, we're still, um, or at least in Atlanta anyway, we're still sheltered in place. And um, there's just so many unknowns. And so there's this sort of this just continual feeling of just there's nothing to look forward to and right. that there's no end to it. And um, But we know that there will be an end to it. And, uh, you know, my, my wife and I, we, we had a 10-year anniversary trip that we should have left for uh, two days ago to switzerland and and italy and that had to get canceled because all so and but we don't and we don't know when we're going to be able to do it again and that's freaking depressing and so we're so what we're trying to do is is even though we don't have an exact date of when this is all going to be over is to give people um, hope yeah and um and inspiration for for that like life will resume and we will have fun again and we will have adventures that's part of why we you know we're giving people these um so we're Part of the thing we have on our daydream page is these this all trails app where you can find trails around you, and we're also including um, um, there's a page there on how to kind of hike during COVID nineteen and be safe about it. We we're also including this uh, 
it's like a, a discussion question uh, flip book on there that that people can uh, can purchase that you know to have you have meaningful discussions on the on the trail and to kind of create your own adventure with a with someone that's meaningful to you and um, so we're trying to help people simulate that right now yeah for right. themselves. that's amazing because I, I mean like you guys we we were supposed to go on our honeymoon this spring um, and obviously that's not happening we don't know when to it Tallahassee Florida <laughs> right to Tallahassee um, we don't know when it's gonna be but we uh, we are anticipating it and we it's one of those things where because you don't see an end to this thing there could be a part of us that doesn't want to plan it and be disappointed but it sounds like what you guys are saying is basically like go ahead and plan it just without the dates of of actually going on the trip because it'll give us something to be excited about and those places will still exist all those things we want to see will still be standing when we go even if it's a year away but it'll give us something to look forward to and then right now we could still be having small adventures. So yeah, that's something I want to spend some time on. One of the things, one of the mottos of our marriage when we first got married was we wanted to prioritize small adventures. And what we mean by that, one of the things we did was a 30-day getaway. Every 30 days we want to go spend a day, 24 hours, not in our immediate environment. So somewhere drivable, somewhere we could just spend one day and come back. Obviously we haven't been able to do that, but that doesn't mean that we can't substitute some of those things with other adventures, prioritize small adventures. We might not be able to go to Italy right now, but I think that there is an innate need in all of us. Us human beings, we were made and designed for adventure. We were made for exploration. We were made for venturing into the unknown and flipping a page and writing our own chapter. And I think that there are ways that we can do that right now. And would you talk a little bit about some ways that we can still be having adventures right now. You mentioned the All Trails app, which, by the way, if you missed that, we're going to put links to all that in the show notes that you can click on that and find that stuff. But what are some ways that we can still be having a small adventures right now in a time when we can't necessarily have big adventures? So, um, what? Well, so I think one is is kind of what we've already alluded to, and that is um, kind of building a picture of the the big adventure you do want to have. Like reading a book takes a while. Um, as I mentioned, I took six months to plan that Thailand trip. So I think picking a destination that you're really excited about, um, and maybe we don't have an exact date. So if it's going to base camp of Everest or it's going to um, Tuscany or maybe, I mean, maybe it's even just going to like California or somewhere domestically, um, pick a destination, become an expert in that destination. And, and th- that journey of, of becoming an expert in that destination and preparation for the trip, that's an adventure in of itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Second thing is, we talked about this, you know, before we started recording, but kind of, you know, how to have it, if you can't have the time or money to do some big adventure, how can you, how can you still have adventure as part of your life? And, um, and I, I think that, um, there's a lot of ways to do that, but one is just, for instance, we live in Atlanta. Um, I actually have never been to like the Martin Luther King, uh, house. Right or the uh, uh, and there's actually like a miniature Grand Canyon in like Central Georgia. I don't yeah. know if you've ever. I uh-huh. can't think of the name of it right now. But my point being um, that like there are a lot of things to do and place places um, places to see around every one of us um, where we live that maybe we've overlooked just because they're familiar. And um, so I would say become a tourist of your own city. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I think. Whenever we start to think about adventures, we immediately think 2,000 miles away. Yeah. And Instead we, of, I mean, I've been here for a decade. I've been in Atlanta for a decade, and I 
I think I've only seen maybe five tourist attractions since right. I moved here. This is so interesting. We just the other day, we were going on a walk and, you know, we tend to walk the same path every day. And right now we're all doing a lot Symbolism. of walking. Right. And mm, wow. And so we just decided to go a different way. And we turned down a street that we've never been on. And we just said, hey, well, I wonder what's down here. And then we saw a little trail that we didn't know where it led to. And then we just said, we just kept saying yes to the unknown. And we went down this little trail and we discovered like this. It was incredible. I was like, I hear running, I hear like moving water. And so we kept going in deeper. It was and we, we discovered like this magical... hidden oasis with a trail all the way through. It was like some conservancy. Yeah. That I, that, and there's the a river. bunch if you um within if, walking if distance. you do happen to live in um in Atlanta proper there are a lot of incredible little conservancies that are kind of tucked away right behind neighborhoods you can walk to most and, of them and at one point we looked up and we were like can you believe that we're in the middle of the city of Atlanta right now yeah like, it was amazing yeah. East Palisades is like that too if you've never been to East Palisades it's a huge conservancy actually I think it's a national park um tons of trails it's right on the chattahoochee it's incredible that it's inside the you know the the perimeter of the city um so i could you know plan an adventure in your own sort of general vicinity even if it's two hour drive to get out there right um you know exotic adventure like these are general terms that um that are subjective and we can we can make some other some places adventurous or exotic to us by the way that we engage with them. Yeah. And so I think that there's places all around us, you know, you know, we could, I mean, maybe even Mobile. <laughs> I mean, this is a time where I feel like we could start to reframe adventure and have an appreciation for what is closer to us. Yes. There are ways to still practice um, safe social distancing and go to like state parks that allow you to like explore and hike and also camp there. And that way you could still be gone for a few days, but not necessarily come in close contact with other people. Right. And I don't care whether or not you're an outdoor person. Everybody is an outdoor person right now because we're stuck <laughs> yeah, indoors we so much. Well, yeah, and the weather, <laughs> at least in the southeast, is phenomenal right now. So that's a huge gift. Yeah, I yeah. feel bad for my northern family who is not getting to enjoy the outdoors but as much. But you know what? I think this is... It's more symbolic. I think adventure, part of adventure is is the willingness to say yes to the unknown. Um, I mean, people say that adventure is a misfortune rightly considered. You know, it's a lot of it. I think a lot of what makes something an adventure is the fact that you don't know what's going to happen next. We've never been down this road. We've never been down this trail. We've never eaten that before. You know, like you can take this and apply it not just to, you know, the outdoors or your surrounding, but... Take it for as something as simple as cooking. When you're cooking, have an adventure. Yeah. I don't know. We've never tried cayenne pepper in this before. Let's just go for it. Right. Un- when you're watching Netflix. I don't know. We've never watched that show before. Let's just say yes to the unknown. Um, and I'm trying to think of like maybe some other ways. Like in what ways can you say yes to the unknowns in your everyday? It, it's true. In a time where we have so much unknown about the future, I feel like one of the major complaints that I'm hearing from a lot of my friends is that every day looks the same. So there's this monotony that we've sort of fallen into because you can't just mix up your days by going out and seeing friends this night and going doing stuff. But I feel like we could be we could be introducing more adventure and positive um, unknown into our daily lives. So, David, is there anything that you 
wanted to share with our listeners that you haven't gotten a chance to yet? Yeah, I got a couple of things that that are often on my mind about travel and adventures. Um, one is, I you know, I know that most of your uh, listeners are you know closer to our age and um, sixty eight. <laughs> between 60 and 70 years old <laughs> and and um you know our, our our generation um people in our age group you know our, our parents the the sort of the pinnacle of success for our parents was having uh, a car and a house and you know marriage and kids and and sort of the white picket fence mm-hmm. um for us our, you know our generation is far less materialistic than our parents generation was and so we're much, you know, our pinnacle of success is much more centered around where you've been and what you've done. And so, you know, and that could, uh, for that reason, I could see this, you know, this social isolation and, and sheltered in place being much harder for people our age yeah, um, than for older folks. And then, um, but so with that, you know, like the Sherpa story is cool because like the Sherpa has like been there forever and, yeah. the, and that Sherpa, you know, Nimatashi Sherpa has never left the Himalayas. Right. Um, and that makes it like the experience so much more rich for us. Right. Yeah. Um, and yet we don't want to be the Nimatashi Sherpas of the world. Ooh. We don't want to be the guy that's like been there forever and has never left. For mm-hmm. us, we locally, we look down on those people. But those are the people we want to engage with when we travel. Huh. You see the paradox. So yeah. I think that it's important for us to take that in, into perspective. Like when we think about um, you know, how we value travel. I think it's easy to kind of put it on a pedestal or to idolize it or, or think that it, somehow it makes you, um, you know, more significant or, or you need it to be significant. You don't. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to be valued in being the person that grew up in a, you know, was born in a city and grew up in a city and lived there forever and never left. Like there's pride in that. Um, sure. <clears throat> but um, so I, I think that's just important to have that perspective to think about like when we're, thinking about how we relate to the world and where we've been. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm inter- that makes me think of sometimes when we take pictures of things, maybe it's pictures of celebrities or pictures of places that we've been. I feel like the negative side of that paradox is that sometimes we can use those as a badge to say, look, I did it. Mm-hmm. And to put it on your Instagram or your social media feeds and say, look, I checked it off. Look yeah, where I've this, been. This makes me more valuable now. Right. It elevates my status as opposed to something that you can just look back on and remember. I remember with your Instagram, you made it private um, and you said, hey, these photos are just for the people who we love and care about, who want to see like what we're doing and where we've been and to yeah. share this. Yeah, it was exactly for that reason. I didn't want my Instagram to become a source of status maybe. Yeah, I didn't want it to make it look, look like I was trying to yeah, increase my status or to make other people, uh, you know, jealous, you know. Well, and you guys were living overseas for how long? About three and a half years, four years. Yeah, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of <laughs> envious um, yeah, you photos. T- that, you take a picture of a gas station there and it looks like it's right, the most beautiful majestic. thing here. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think when I look back on all of my travels and getting to study abroad in Spain and backpack through Italy and... And us when we went overseas last year and everything mm-hmm. we got to see, it's, I feel like there is so much value in travel because it gives you perspective on the world that you live in. Um, it allows you to see things through 
a new lens than the one that is just provided to you in your own country. Um, so I mean, it's it's obviously yeah. very valuable. Um, when I was growing up, my dad he he told us he wanted both of us to go study abroad. Right. Like that was really important to him because he was just like, this will change you. It'll make you. It's not like it'll make you a better person, but it will make you more well rounded. Right. I think a better person. I and think, a better person. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I would say that if you are, a, you know, a Westerner, um, someone who's grown up with some level of privilege, as we all have, that um, that part of becoming, you know, because we have access to it, I think that for us, we should consider travel part of having a well-rounded education. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I often like to go camping for one or two nights at a time. Part of the reason I like that is that I get to come home and take a hot shower, and I'm more grateful for that hot shower than right. ever. Right. Um, so it gives you perspective of, uh, hel- helps you, A, appreciate other cultures and other people that are different from you in a new way, and B, helps you appreciate what you have at home that you might have taken advantage for, uh, taken for granted. For granted. Absolutely. When we've just gotten away from the house to go sit on someone's front lawn six feet away from them or something we had an appreciation for coming back home. And that was not, yeah. when you're stuck inside your house during quarantine, the last thing you think you'll appreciate is the inside of your house. But even just getting leaving your house on a, on a Saturday morning and going exploring and not coming back to that night like helps you to appreciate your home that much more. Yeah. David, this has been so fun. I, I love the idea of just thinking about the future and dreaming about the trips that you can take. I mean, some of my favorite memories of my entire life our adventures that I have taken yeah. with the two of you. It's so fun mm. too to like go back down memory lane for a lot of these. Like, I mean, I haven't had like a, a huge sense of adventure um, or a, I haven't felt excited about adventure in the future lately because I've almost been too afraid to, but even just talking about this stuff just makes me feel like lighter and happier and more excited to start planning. Yeah, something. Like I have so many good feelings just thinking about the adventures that we've taken. Like, David, I remember sitting in Iceland in a hot tub at three o'clock in the morning and we were drinking Viking ale and we just sat it in the snow next to our hot tub and we looked up and we were looking at the northern lights. Yes. Like flowing across the sky. That's in my top three or four favorite trips of my life as well. What about about the time that you guys went um, I'll post a picture of that. Sledding or skiing? Sledging. Sledging. Yes. Can you tell that story? Yeah, so we were in Switzerland. Is that where we were? Switzerland. Switzerland. David can probably tell us more accurately than I can. But we, um, it's called sledging, and it's basically sledding. You know, we see these like the. It's kind of like, kind of looks like if um, really Red Rider wagons, but if they were if they made a sled, you know, it's like with the <laughs> yeah. the red um, like the red tracks and the wood in the middle. Okay. That we've all seen. Well, uh, you know, I've seen those around, but I never really knew how to how to actually ride one of those until um lived in switzerland and the and the way that it works is you're you're i mean so you take a ski lift to the top of a mountain and then and you're wearing hopefully some kind of ski gear with hefty (laughs) boots right and and you just you sled all the way down the mountain but you use the heels of your feet you're so you're sitting on the sled and you use the heels of your feet to to navigate to turn left and right and oh my so you gosh. get you get flying and you get momentum going around turns and <sighs> so of course like Will and I being adrenaline junkies just went completely <laughs> 
hair on fire down the mountain. I don't think I turned once. Didn't I just it, didn't, <laughs> so, it, didn't you say it took it? It's like a 20, 30 minute oh, ride there's, all the oh, way yeah. down. There's two different ones. So the one you can go un I don't know what it's called, but it's like off pissed, I guess. Um, and there's no track or course that, and you just go to the top of the mountain and then you just sled all the way down. There's another one that we went to that was like a designed course. Um, and we went up at nighttime. It was like, I don't know what time it was, but it was dark and it was like a little, it was eight kilometers. So did they have like lights going down the track? Yeah. It was eight kilometers from the top to the bottom. So it took like 45 minutes to get all the way down. Oh my god! And it was like this winding like trail track all the way down. And I remember we did it two or three times, and at the top was this small little restaurant that served schnitz, schnitzel and uh, sausages and and pilsners and just wonderful beer. So we did that, and we got it to the top, and we drank a German beer and had schnitzel, and then we slid it all the way down. That is so magical. And it was like midnight. Oh my it was, gosh. It was so fun. Gosh. I think the bottom line is that as humans, we're made for adventure. We're made for the unknown. We're made for, for things like that. To just and, be in awe. Yeah. And whether it's experiencing something, seeing it with your eyes, or just having fun, trying something new, all of it. And I don't think that that is isolated to, you know, being able to travel to a different country. I think right. that you can have adventures exactly where you are right now and hopefully this conversation for you is helpful hopefully um you use it to start dreaming a little bit about the future maybe dream about your past a little bit about some of those trips that you've taken and prioritize some small adventures because the fact of the matter is that we were made for it um and david do you have any last minute thoughts you want to share with with our listeners i i guess the only thing i would say is is i i hope that what we've talked about is helpful for folks and kind of how to have fun and and uh, and have adventures while we're, you know, still dealing with this pandemic and, and, um, but also helpful for folks that are getting excited about adventures still to come. Yeah. That's great. I'm inspired. I am too. I'm excited. I'm already excited for what's to come. David, where can people find more of you and beyond adventures? So it's, so it's, uh, our website's beyondadventures.co. Um, our Instagram is at beyondadventures.co. And um, just follow us, check us out. Instagram is probably the best place. And um, yeah, and we'd love to have you on a trip. People can get involved in the question and answer conversations you guys are having and yeah, can the fo- storytelling. We do, yeah, we do an interview every week. And um, and the our Daydream page can be found on our Instagram or our website. That's awesome. That's David, so thank cool. you for devoting time to this. I'm devoted. And, <laughs> and to <laughs> us. Um, and for all of you listeners out there, if this was helpful for you and there's someone that you would like to share it with, please do that. Uh, send it to them and um, encourage them a little bit to get yeah. up out of their four walls and, and have some adventures. Also, if you have pictures from uh, trips that you've taken or for uh, trips you are looking forward to taking, we would love to see those pictures. Please tag us yes. in those photos um, at Gen Y Podcast. G-E-N-W-H-Y Podcast. G-E-N-W-H-Y Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's us. Uh, and as always, guys, please like, share, and subscribe. It was super helpful for us. Um, so to make sure you don't miss episodes and if you guys would do us a massive favor and leave us a review um, and that's just what that does is it helps people find the show so leave us a review let us know what you think and uh, we will see you next Wednesday mm-hmm. for the next rendition of the Generation Y podcast Bye.